1: Good evening, family. Ron Geyer back with more End Time Insights. Thank you so much for listening. We do not take it for granted. We know we are speaking for the Lord because I'm speaking in the Bible. You know, people that come out there, they give you their opinions. They'll tell you they're speaking for the Lord. Well, maybe they are. And then again, maybe they're not. When you stay in the Word of God, you stay out of trouble. I have no agenda, I don't want your money, I don't need to be popular, I just want to put the Word of God in you, I want to invest the Word of God in you, I want you to receive the engrafted Word of God, which is able to save your soul. Thank you, Jesus. Some people want your money, I want your soul. Hallelujah, Father. I thank you that you who have begun a good work in them will perform it until the day of Jesus, placing them a supernatural hunger for the Word of God, placing them a desire for the sincere milk of the Word that they would grow thereby, Father. The entrance of your word giveth light, so shall your word be that goes forth in the earth. It will not return void. It will prosper. It will prosper right now into the place where it is intended in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We're talking about the word of God this year. We had such a wonderful Bible study in our home on Saturday. It was great. It was fabulous. The word of God is alive, and when people receive it, it brings life into their souls. Hallelujah. James 1 22, this is where we ended last week. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The Bible says, when you hear the word, but you don't do the word, you are deceiving yourselves. You know, that is the ultimate shame. I mean, we've got enough people out there, whether it's politicians, bankers, preachers, Hollywood, whatever, that are deceiving us, that are lying to us, that are tricking to us. I get that. But here, it says you deceive your own self. Come on, that's double dumb. That's ignorance before you get out of bed. Yes, this word in us must come alive to be effective, not just for us, but for others as well. Don't forget the word of God that God gives you. It's for you, yes, but it's also so that you can share it with others. God won't put in you, but what He wants to get out of you. He puts the word of God in you, and you share it with others. James one twenty two, the Message version. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word of God go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. There are several reasons we are dedicating the early part of this year, probably the entire year. Amen. Most likely this total year, we're going to stay in the Word of God. We're going to break it down. Like today, we're going to pretty much, we're focusing on the Holy Word of God. We're focusing on treasuring the Word of God. And we'll keep on doing that throughout the year until I run out of stuff so that means we'll do it all year Thank you Jesus so anyway there's a huge failure in today's church in America on how we ought to respond to the teaching of the Word of God yes there's also a failure to preach it as well for us that ends right the Word of God I told this into our Bible class the other day the Word of God reading the Bible it's an event. It's not just something that you do like you open up a book and get a cup of coffee and sit in front of the fireplace. This is the Word of God. Reading the Word of God is an event. You read it for the singular purpose of doing the Word of God. When we study the Word of God, it's done from a position of attentiveness. I think this is where I left off last week. Our antenna, our spiritual antenna are up. Our spirits are about to be fed. Changes are about to be enacted in our harsh growth is about to come into our souls. Studying the Word of God can no longer be a passive exercise just done haphazardly or in our free time. Studying the Word of God should always lead to prayer of some sort, repentance even. The creator of everything is about to speak to us. Hallelujah. And it may not be practical, but we should be doing this on our knees. It should drive your heart to your knees, man. I'm about to talk to the creator of everything, and he's talking to you, and you're listening. You may be responding with prayer, but you learn something that you're reading and incorporating it into your life, allowing it to accomplish what it's supposed to accomplish. That's called growth, and that's how you and the Lord are communicating spirit to spirit. Ephesians 5, 3. But fornication and all uncleanliness and covetousness, let it not be named once among you as, as become saints. Wow. You know, once we learn something, we must stay there until it's burned deeply into our souls. Disobedience in that area should never be named again. And that's what the verse talks about. You know, for me, I had been involved in sexual sin before I got saved. That was the thing that taught me that God was real. Because I was drinking beer all the time, just a nice guy. I was a party guy, doing marijuana, doing crystal meth, smoking, all that good stuff. I always felt that I could probably stop that on my own. And as I was being drawn closer to God, I was kind of getting away from that. But sexual sin had me by the throat. I mean, I knew I was powerless to do anything about it. And yet, when the Word of God came in, sexual sin bowed before the power of that Word of God. Thank you, Jesus Once more, the Word of God will set itself apart as the standard in the extreme. I say that because I just read it. Let it not be named once among you as becometh saints. So there's a standard. The Word of God creates a standard in us for purity, for holiness. And so the Word of God, it is an extreme standard. Of course it is. We're carnal beings. We try to... Uh, do it. We try to we try to accomplish what we're wanting to accomplish with our own strength, and we can't do it because our sins are mainly spiritual. It takes the power of the Word of God, the power of Christ, Christianity, holiness, Christ-likeness. Yes, that's all extreme behavior in this world today, and that's okay. God sacrificed Jesus. That was extreme for us. His love for us is extreme. Why can't we live then according to the extreme standards of His Word and return in kind to Him What he has done for us. Therefore, my adherence to his word will be what? It will be extreme. I will be radical. Hallelujah. I'm not a Jesus freak. I'm a Jesus normal. It's the people who don't know the Lord that are the freaks. Because you were created to be in fellowship with God. You were created to be a child of God. You're already a child of God by creation. Now, just get on your knees. Repent of living lives alone. Repent of your sin. Accept Christ. Let God become your father in relationship. Become a child of God. 1 John 2, verses 3 and 4. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keep not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And we know about lying, right? All liars, they have their part in the lake of fire. So keeping the laws of God, obeying his word, that's the standard by which we will be judged not regarding salvation, but regarding our rewards or our works. Keeping the laws of God, obeying His Word is the standard by which we will be judged both here and now at the bema seat of Christ where He hands out the rewards for Christians. We're judged by our faithfulness to His Word. The standard now by which we judge ourselves every day is the same. We are keeping his word, or are we not? If we aren't, then we need to get back into the word of God, repent of our sin, ask him for his help, ask him for his cleansing, ask him for his strength, and start over. John tells us if we have a constant lifestyle whereby we don't obey the word of God, then we truly don't know who he is, and we must repent and probably even get saved at that point. To continue on in claiming to know him while in disobedience to his word identifies us as liars and ensures an eternity in hell apart from God and the rest of his family but praise God the word has a remedy for that hallelujah psalm 119 verse 11 i have treasured your word in my heart so that i may not sin against you i love it i love it i could have done the whole teaching today on treasuring the word of God in your heart This is written by Psalm 119. I think David is done writing Psalms at this point. I forget who this is. This might even be Moses. I'm not sure. This is written by someone, though, who loved the Lord, who knew the Lord. He gave the word first place in his heart, and it produced in him a lifetime of sinlessness. When we store up God's word in our hearts as treasure, when we hide it from thieves and robbers, it's protected from theft. Remember, our enemy will try to come and steal the word away immediately. Remember Mark 4:15, And these are they by the wayside, that live by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they have heard the word, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. That's a biblical truth. When the word is not sown on solid ground, good soil... Satan comes immediately and he takes it away. That's why it's so important to receive the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. Receive the engrafted word with humility. It says, depart from wickedness. Throw away those things that are growing wickedly in your lives. Repent of your sin. Humbly come before the Lord. Receive the word of God. Let it save your soul in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Many translated read, or to treasure. Hallelujah. Treasure the word in one's heart. The things we value, we treasure, don't we? No, we put locks on our doors, don't we? Because we value and treasure our goods, our family, our children. We put locks on doors because we treasure these things. We put our money in vaults and banks. Why? Because we treasure our money. Same reason. The psalmist says that's how we need to guard God's word in our lives, by placing it in the depository of our hearts. Doing that creates the desired effect of no longer sinning against God. Perhaps if we remembered more often That above all else, our sin is against God that might hold us to a higher standard. You can sin against man, but it's all all sin is against God. You know, there was a fact that I heard the other day on the radio that, you know, the number one cause of death in the world today, I never would have guessed it, but the number one cause of death in the world today is abortion. Yes, killing our babies in the womb has exceeded all other forms of death in the world. That is a surefire way for extinction. And that is one of the reasons God's judgments are so demanding, so harsh on us. We are killing more people than are dying on their own through disease, alcoholism, whatever, abortion. And in our eagerness to murder them, we go into the mother's womb. This is crazy. This is reprobate behavior. And we are being and will continue to be judged for it. Perhaps if we remembered, like I says, these are sins against God. These are sins against humanity, yes, but these are sins against the Almighty God. Treasuring God's Word in our hearts means we mark it as special, and we hide it away from the things that can corrupt both the heart and the treasure that it holds in our souls. Spurgeon writes, one's heart would be kept by the Word because he has kept the Word in his heart. Yes, I think I say that again later in the lesson. It has that characteristic to it. As you treasure God's Word in your heart, your heart will become treasured by the word of God. Remember, it's God's word and God has placed this vault, the heart, in man in which the word is to be kept. It just so happens to be the same place where we can do the most good. Notice the connection between the two thoughts in this verse, hiding one's heart and sinning. Mm. Placing this word in our hearts lessens the propensity for us to sin. It's like leaves falling off a tree in the fall. The leaves aren't plucked off. The tree, get this, they are pushed off by the new growth from within. I didn't know that. I learned that. That was neat. I like it. So the new, out with the old, in with the new. You're pushing out sin when you put in the word of God. Hallelujah. Sanctification that produces holiness in our lives works in the same manner. Filling one's heart with God's word is the new growth that will push out sin or the old man thereby making room for the continued growing presence of God in our lives, constantly forming and reforming and forming and reforming the new man in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, the word says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When we believe the word of the gospel, when we receive the truth of the gospel, we become new creatures. The process results in us being born again. We have just passed from death unto life. Our spirits have been sparked to life by the indwelling presence of God's Holy Spirit. We are now able to receive the engrafted word, which is able to save our souls. Experience births in us a desire for the word of God. You know, babies are born. What do they want? They eat, right? They eat and they crap. That's what they do. And and they sleep. Yeah. <laughs> well, the church is asleep, no doubt about that. And we're definitely messing all over ourselves, no question about that. But we need to be eating, but we're not eating. We're eating the wrong thing. We're eating the diet of the world. We're eating the diet that feeds the flesh. You know, there's no Holy Spirit in our churches because we're compromising the principles of the Word of God. You know, we have churches that are full of teaching for the healthy body, teaching for dieting and eating right and Uh, We've got personal trainers all over the place that want to walk you through getting back to being your very best. Well, that's great, but that's not what church is supposed to be doing. Church doesn't work on the outer man. Church works on the inner man. We're supposed to be applying that diligence, that passion, that dedication, that faithfulness to getting our souls right. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things will become new. We believe the gospel. We get born again. We go through the process of new birth, and this experience births in us a desire for the Word of God. That's what we eat. Christians eat the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth out of the mouth of God. The Word of God. That's the diet of the Christian. Yes, the church is malnourished. Yes, the church is starving. We need to go back to preaching and reading and studying the Bible in the body of Christ. We are born with hunger when we get saved. So true has the new man in Christ been born with hunger just as we are in the natural realm. It's a hunger for the word. That's how we grow. It's how we bear fruit. It's how we come to know our new dad, Father God. Proverbs 4:20 20 and 22 I'm going to read this to you both in the King James and the message. My son, attend unto my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings, let them not depart from your eyes, keep them in the middle of your heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and they are also health to their flesh. The message, this is great. Dear friend, listen well to my words. Tune your ears to my voice. Keep my message in plain view at all times. Concentrate. Learn it by heart. Those who discover these words live really live body and soul, they're bursting with health. Isn't that great? That's what the Word of God will do for you. It will do it to you. It will do it in you. Look at the verbs, though, in that verse in the message. Listen, tune, keep, concentrate, discover, live, burst. These are all words that the message used to associate your relationship with the Word of God. I'm going to read it again. Proverbs 4, 20 and 22 in the message, dear friend, listen well to my words, tune your ear to my voice, keep my message in plain view at all times, concentrate, learn it by heart. Those who discover these words live, really live body and soul, they're bursting with health. I love that. That is my relationship with the Word of God. I am listening to it. I am tuning my antenna to it. I am keeping it in my heart. I am concentrating, I'm musing on the Word of God. I am discovering new things about me, about you, about God, about life from the Word of God. I am living in and by the Word of God. and I am just bursting forth with new wine. Thank you, Jesus. All those verbs go to describe one's relationship to and with the Word. As we break down our lives and examine them, as we put them under the microscope of God's Word, we must ask ourselves, what are we listening to? Hmm, right? What have we tuned into? Or what are we following on a regular basis? What is so important in our lives that we have decided to keep it? What do we concentrate on? Are there any new things we are looking to discover in front of us? What things are we searching for? And lastly... On what things do we build our lives upon? What things, what truths, what ideas, what dreams do we look at to bring or birth or even burst forth into a new reality for you and for me? What are we doing with the Word of God? For the Christian, the answer to all these questions must be Word-founded. It must be Word-based. It must be Word-inspired. And ultimately, guys, it's got to be Word-obeyed. We must decide for ourselves what impact the Word of God will have in our lives. What role will God's Word ultimately play in my life? Will we allow Jesus to have the lead part as we live out our lives? Deuteronomy 11, verse 18. This is Moses, of course. Therefore shall you lay up these, my words, in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. Moses tells Israel how to do that. You make them comfortable. You make God's word comfortable in your heart. You lay them up. Lay up implies to store. Put them safely inside something where it can always be at the ready, yet it's well protected at the same time. The great thing about storing the word of God in your heart is this. While you're keeping it safe, it's keeping you safe. (laughs) I love that. That is so good. That's pretty much keeping what Spurgeon had mentioned. Heart and soul are synonymous here. Moses tells them to wrap them around your fingers of your hand. This implies readiness. It's actually a sign to the enemies that you are protected by the word of God, that the word of God is a ready weapon to your hand. He tells them to see the word. He's telling the Jewish people to see the word as if it was attached to the inside of one's eyelids. That's how near Moses wanted the word to be in the lives of his Jewish people. Safely in hearts so that they could remain true to God, ready to hand for any such immediate use, and ever before our sight in vision so as to keep us on the straight and narrow. The biblical analogies between man and God's word are both endless and priceless. Let me read John seventeen seventeen to you. This is very important in today's culture and today's society. Sanctify them. This is Jesus' last prayer. He's talking to the disciples before he gets ready to go. Sanctify them in the truth. Set them apart for your purposes. Make them holy. Your word is truth. I love that. I mean... When we go through the redemptive names of God, you know, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider, Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner, there's like seven or eight of them. When we go through them, we see different characteristics of God, and I love it and I appreciate it. And then you've got the I ams I am the Lord, your healer, Exodus 15, 26, the way God reveals himself to us. But my favorite out of all of these is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace. Uh, I mean, I, I can go through life without a lot of stuff, missing certain things, but I have got to have his peace. I I need that peace. I live by that peace. I'm a very peaceful person. And peace, it's not just the absence of violence. It's being able to maintain your composure, uh, your steadfast attitude in crisis. It's peace knowing that come what may, he is with me. Come what may, he, he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. The word of God will never leave you, will never forsake you. The word of God is eternal. And so by placing the word of God in you, you're guaranteeing yourself of eternal existence with the word of God. Remember in prior verses, uh, what is it? It might be John 15. Jesus said, if you would abide in me and let my word abide in you, you would ask what you will and I will do it for you. Abide means to remain. If my word remains in you and you remain in me, you will ask what you do. And I love that. You know, the Bible says, um, actually, it doesn't say God will watch over you. He never promises to watch over you. He says, I will give my angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. But he promised that he would watch over his word, right? So I kind of do an end around and I fill myself with the word of God because he has to watch over his word because he said he would watch over his word. And this way I get it inside me and he's watching over me that way. Right. Not that I'm tricking God. He knows what he's all about, but I have his word inside me. And the best part about that is not only does he watch over his word in me, but he promised that he would watch over his word with a purpose. And what is the purpose of him watching over his word? The purpose of him watching over his word is because he promised to do it. He promised to accomplish it. So by putting the Word of God inside you, you not only have the Word of God in you, you've got the Word of God working in you, you've got the Word of God performing in you. I love it. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it's God who's working in you, both to will and to do His good pleasure. I want to fulfill the pleasure of the Lord for me. And I know that by placing the Word of God inside me, I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that all along it's God who's working in me, both to will to want to, and to do, to accomplish his good pleasure. I am not only teaching you the Word of God this year. I, I pray that the Lord is allowing me to create in you a love for his Word. You, you will get nowhere without the Word. You will, you will get nowhere without a love for his Word, and that's what I want to pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share your Word. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's what I do. It's my life. And I pray, Father God, that these people, Father God, that can hear me, that sit under the voice of the radio here, Father God, that you would put in them a supernatural hunger for the word of God, Father. I pray that you would touch them with your spirit, Father God. I pray that they would give the word the respect he's due. I pray, Father God, that they would build a relationship with your word, Father God, and you would watch over that word to perform it. The Bible says that the entrance of your word giveth light. The words that I have spoken today, the 10 or 20 scriptures that I shared, they are giving entrance, hallelujah, to light, Father God. They are already prospering into where it's been sent. I pray that your word prospers their lives, prospers their soul, and grows them ever closer to you, Father, in 2024, in Jesus' name.